Father, we come before you. We thank you and praise you for your powerful hand that's upon us. And we just ask, Lord, that as we come together today, that you'd speak powerfully into our lives. Lord, that your spirit may just move. That, Lord, you'd speak to our minds and that you'd help us to to take on a new mindset that you want so that we can be new creations in you. We pray, Lord, just for your powerful blessing to happen at a time where many people are sick. And, Lord, let us not get taken down by that. Lord, let us not be going all over all the time declaring what's going wrong. But, Lord, this is a time of huge, huge opportunity because people are open to the gospel. It's a time of huge opportunity because you want to move in our lives. It's a time of huge blessing because no matter what we go through, you are here. It's a time when your Holy Spirit is moving in the hearts of many people. It's a time where anyone who wants to turn to you will see that you're alive. Lord, give us that revelation today in such a powerful and such an incredible way. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you'd minister to my heart. I pray that your word would be revealed to me today in such a way that I will understand it so I can speak it and do it and see it change my life. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about the secret to a life of miracles. And today we're going to discuss moving into a whole new world in your thought life. And you know, one of the things that I keep hearing us say all the time is it's such a difficult time to live in. And I have a crisis with it. And the crisis that I have with that thought is this. My, my grandparents, especially on my father's side, went through like two world wars. I met my great-grandparents on my mother's side when I was young. And, I mean, they were born in like 1904, somewhere around there. So they, they're teenagers. They're supposed to be going to parties, you know, doing all the things teenagers do. It's World War I. Bam! Right there, like 14, 15 years of age, World War I. And then, um, you know, now they're married and stuff and everything should be nice. Bam! World War II. Like, you know, I mean, they're now in their 30s. The war should be over, and now it's World War II. I mean, I, I want you to think about that for a second. What those poor people went through, and in between those world wars was the Spanish flu. Okay, something like 20 million people died on a population that's far smaller than what we got today. And never mind the Black Plague, you understand? It was even far worse and things like that. When we keep talking about how difficult times are, one of the things I'm telling you that we're forgetting is Proverbs 9 verse 10. The starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Yahweh to receive the revelation of the Holy One. You, you must come to the One who has living understanding. So God wants us to come to Him. He has living understanding. I want to say that again. He has living understanding. And last week we actually looked at the fact that the world is confused about God and what He wants to give us. Just think about these words from 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 and 10. This is what the Scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Now has has this promise been cancelled because of COVID? 
No, not a chance. The promise is as real as it's ever been. But to the world, the secrets of God are foolish. You should be scared, man. You should be afraid, woman. Because we've got COVID. COVID! Are you cold? No, I'm just scared. All right? So it's foolishness not to be scared. If you're not afraid, now sometimes people want to complain. You should be afraid because this thing's very bad. No. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these, these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. You know what the sad thing is? Is if we sound like the world. Because the world thinks it sees. But they can't see what you see. They don't have the Holy Spirit. God wants to raise your mind to a higher dimension. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. And so now, today, we're talking about moving into a whole new world in your thought life. And I know that many people in South Africa want to see South Africa changed. And one of the things, you know, some of the fears that people come, I think people in this country got a greater fear of lockdown than COVID. I, I realized some time ago, in December actually, when, when, when it looked like they were going to lock us down, I had a fear of lockdown. So I had to come to God about, you know, COVID, no problem. You understand what I'm saying? It's, yeah, it's challenging and all of that sort of stuff, but I can handle that. You know what I'm saying? But lockdown, oh no, 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 no. So we want to see South Africa changed. Not to be a place of fear and corruption. But the clue, the, 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 the clue to seeing cities and nations disciple to the Lord, the clue to seeing a conversion of our culture so that our nation changes, we have to realize there's two things that we have to see. And the first is, is that wisdom allows us to overcome insurmountable objects. Wisdom allows us to overcome even things that are as big as the Drakensberg mountain range. Things that seem to be impossible to overcome. And the second thing is that strongholds are anything that we trust other than God. Anything. Now I want you to think about that because we've touched on it briefly so far in the series. But when I don't trust God, there's a big problem. And the problem is, is that it's a serious violation when I don't trust God because it's a violation because of the fact that He is worthy of our trust. God is so worthy of our trust because He is perfectly faithful. He is so perfectly faithful that He sent Jesus to die on the cross for us when we did not deserve it. Who of us deserved for Jesus to die for our sin? None of us deserved it. Yet He did it. Now God has done all of this for us. He is so perfectly faithful and yet there's something else we trust other than Him. When I do that, I create a debt for myself with Almighty God. When I do that, I owe God. How can I treat Him as if He's not worthy of my trust? I want to say it again, a stronghold is anything that we trust other than God. And strongholds are spiritual things that control our minds. And a stronghold is always about a trust issue. 
It's always about a trust issue. Every stronghold you have is about a trust issue that you have with God. And I want you to realize how, how, how important trust is to God. Trust is central to the heart of God. Trust is central to our relationship with Almighty God. And how do we know this? We'll even look within a human marriage. Trust is a key thing. Now, different people have different strongholds. Different cities have different strongholds. Different nations have different strongholds. So just taking, for example, what's happened with this whole pandemic. Yes, some people fear COVID. So what is their stronghold? Stay home, stay safe, whatever, all of that stuff. Other people fear lockdowns. What is their stronghold? Being outside when it's a lockdown. Now, those are just two examples, but anything good can be a lockdown. I mean, anything good can be a stronghold. Because a stronghold is actually a lockdown of your mind. You can be out there in the country, you can be going wherever you want to go, and you can be under a, a mental lockdown in your mind. And a stronghold is a big problem because the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. I want to say that again. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. If you want to know where that is, it's in Hebrews 11 verse 6. But Proverbs 21 verse 22 says, A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the trusted stronghold. So a wise man scales the city, climbs up or whatever, the city of the mighty and brings down a trusted stronghold. He brings down the stronghold of the city, the, the thing that people run to other than God when the pressure comes on. When does a, a, a stronghold come to the fore in your life? A stronghold comes to the fore when there's pressure. A stronghold comes to the fore when you're, when you're challenged. Now why, why does a, a wise man or a wise woman bring down the trusted stronghold because trust is the main issue with God the main issue that God has with you is whether you trust him or not in fact Adam and Eve if you looked at when they sinned in the garden of Eden it was a trust issue it was a trust issue and, a, and, and their stronghold was I can be good without God not trusting God is a violation of creation the very fact that you are here is because of the faithfulness of God. The very fact that you exist is because of the faithfulness of God. The very fact that your body works so well is because of the faithfulness of God. And so we create a debt for ourselves to God when we don't trust Him. We owe God. Now we've got enough debt as it is with God without adding more. And every time we don't trust God, every time we lie awake all night... And we're worrying and we're tossing and we're turning. Instead of taking it to the Lord and resting in the Lord and finding our peace in the Lord, we're creating more debt with God. In Mark chapter 10, there's a story of a rich man who comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know the commands, and he goes to a few of them. And the, 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 the rich man is, is, is arrogant enough to say, all of these I've done. Oh, all of these I've done. Me, I'm so good. Look, I even dressed the pot. 
And Jesus says to him, there's one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have. Take all that money. Give it to the poor. You come follow me. And the guy couldn't do it. Why? Because of his love for his money. His money was a stronghold. And Jesus then says, it's very hard for a rich man to enter heaven. But then later on you see that there's a guy named Lazarus. You know the guy who died and was in the tomb for four days? Lazarus and his sisters, they were very rich. Yet Jesus never told them to give up their money. What's the difference? What's the difference? The rich man in Mark chapter 10 trusted in his wealth. For Jesus, speaking to this rich man, it was a matter of trust. Lazarus, Martha and Mary, they trusted in Jesus. Their trust was tested when Lazarus died. So their issue wasn't money. And so the question then that many people may ask when when talking from a a perspective of, of, of Christianity, how much money is too much money? And the answer is there's no amount. There's no amount. How much or how little you have means nothing in terms of your relationship with God. It depends on how much, how, how much money takes your trust away from God. It depends how much your money has you. You can be dirt, dirt poor and your money can have you. God is always dealing with the heart. And the truth of everything comes out of the heart. Therefore the Lord looks for those who trust. The Lord looks for those who believe in Him. He's searching for those. Now here's the other thing. People often say they believe in God. And people often believe that they believe in God. But their lifestyle says something different. You see, they believe that they believe in God. But when the pressure comes... The way that they act shows something different. And I think for many of us, the advent of COVID-19 and all of the things that have happened in the world since then have shown us we got some trust issues with God. And God wants us to get to Him. He wants us to get to the place where we trust Him. He wants us to get to the place where we believe Him. And the question is, when the pressure comes, what is it that people turn to? You know, some people turn to the bottle. Some people turn to drugs. Some people turn to their family. And family is a good thing. Family is a blessing of the Lord. But if family is a stronghold, it's a problem. In the situation in this, the, the past two weeks I've been talking about Abraham, where God has given him the son Isaac, as the, who is the son of the promise. And God then says to him, Abraham, I want you to go and sacrifice your son, your only son Isaac. God was making sure that Abraham never had a stronghold of family. Some people turn to parties. Some people turn to their work. People turn to different things. Different cities turn to different things. Different countries turn to different things. But the stronghold comes out when the pressure comes. If you study different cities, if you study different places, you can see what their stronghold is when you see what do they trust when the pressure's on. What do they reach for when they're in trouble? A stronghold is something I turn to when I'm in trouble instead of God. Sometimes the stronghold is worry. When, when, when the pressure comes, we turn to worry. Like lying all night and lying awake, not sleeping, 
is going to change your situation. Now what's the other problem with a stronghold? A stronghold is a problem because it's a hiding place for the demonic. I want to go back to 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 to 5. We are human, but we don't wage wars humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I want you to think about what you've got to be doing with your mind every single day. You, you've got to be taking every single thought. And every single thought that you have in your mind, you've got to start judging it against the Word. What does the Word say about your thoughts? And every obstacle, every proud obstacle that keeps you from knowing God... You've got to capture that rebellious thought and teach that thought to obey Christ. You've got to teach your thoughts to obey Christ. Because if you don't teach your thoughts, your thoughts are going to produce emotions and your emotions are going to lead you. Thinking incorrectly empowers the enemy and creates a safe place for him to hide in your patterns of thought. A single bad thought is not necessarily what the enemy is going to hide in. But if you have a lifestyle of bad thoughts, that's a hiding place for the enemy. And he's hiding there. And he's manipulating you. And he's, he's getting you to do stuff and you don't even realize it. The demonic hides in the thought places where they have an anchor in the soul that trusts in something other than God. Wherever we trust in something other than God, the, the, the demons can come in there and literally wreck our lives. The weapons of God are the weapons that we have with the Word of God and prayer and the power of God to expose and destroy those hiding places. The weapons of the enemy create thoughts that rise up against the knowledge of God. Thinking about a problem without the hope of a, a solution from the blood of Jesus is a stronghold. The blood of Jesus gives you a, a solution to every single problem. And here's the other problem with a the stronghold. They're often related to fear, aren't they? And fear will always attract the information it needs to legitimize its existence. If you're afraid, you will find the info you need to be afraid. At the same time, envy will always attract whatever information it needs to legitimize its existence. At the same time, jealousy will always attract whatever information it needs to legitimize its existence. Have you noticed when you've got these things going on, you will always find the information you need to find to justify why you think that way. When you have resentment, resentment will always find, it will always attract information it needs to legitimize its existence. You know what? With all of these things, very often you'll even find a Bible verse that you can spiritually legitimize the existence of whatever's going on, but it's inspired by demons. If you're not open to God, you will give a virtuous name to your problem. And what you find in situations like this is that you gain knowledge of the Word, but the knowledge from the Word just puffs you up. You know, knowledge puffs up. You think you know a lot. Now you give a spiritual term. Now you spiritualize your problem. But the devil is playing with you. The enemy is playing with you.
In terms of knowledge, knowledge in and of itself is not a good thing because it can lead to pride. Every bit of knowledge that you have is supposed to lead you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every piece of knowledge that you have is supposed to lead you to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. If it doesn't lead you there, it's leading you down the road to arrogance. When we give up our problem a spiritual name, we have a big problem. It doesn't mean now that you're bad. It doesn't mean, oh, I need to quarantine from you. I need a spiritual quarantine from you because you're all contaminated. No, that's not what we're saying. When you give a spiritual name to your problem, you give it permission to stay and to grow. And the more it stays and the more it grows, the more it will destroy your life. And this problem stays and it grows until eventually it shapes our personalities. Our personality changes. Our personality gets affected because of the stronghold. And though we think we sound spiritual, we're actually messing ourselves up. I want you to think about who Jesus is. Right now, I really want you to think about who he is. Jesus is the Lamb of God who's sitting on the throne for eternity. I want to say that again. He's sitting on the throne for eternity. COVID-19 hasn't changed that. Some people are afraid of the globalists. They haven't changed that. The devil, he hasn't changed that. Some people are afraid of the terrorists. They haven't changed that. The Lamb of God sits on the throne for eternity. And you know what he wants us? He wants us to be there with him in eternity. And when we're there with him for eternity, we'll be eternally reminded of the grace that we have from the Lamb. And we will remember forever that we are redeemed. That we have been brought back by the blood of Jesus shed at the cross of Calvary. We have been brought back from the kingdom of darkness. This is why every single morning it is so imperative that we get to the cross. We read the word. We pray. Maybe even close your eyes. See yourself going to the cross. See yourself being crucified with Jesus. Ask God to give you a revelation, give you an experience of being crucified with Jesus on the cross. Then you see yourself coming off the cross. But you see yourself coming off the cross and it's the nature of Jesus that's coming off. It's the character of Jesus that's coming off. You look around, there's you. Nailed to that cross. Understanding what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, it's no longer I that lives, it's Christ that lives in me. You know, when I die to myself like that, I have to do it every single day because every single day my flesh wants to do the exact opposite of what God wants. And when I do that, the peace of the Lord floods my soul. The grace of God comes over me. The blessing of what God has done for me through the cross comes over me. I want you to think about the confessions we teach often. By the blood of Jesus, I am redeemed from the power of enemy. And God has taken me out of the kingdom of darkness and placed me in the kingdom of Jesus, the Son of God. Which means the devil has no right over my life. Come on, give the Lord a big round of applause for that one. Someone, come on, give the Lord a big round of applause. 
The enemy has no right over my life. By the blood of Jesus, I'm forgiven. The world may still be pointing at what I've done. But by the blood of Jesus, I'm completely and utterly forgiven. If I've repented and I've given my heart to Him, I've given my life to Him, my life is changed. I'm forgiven. I'm going to face God without my sin. I'm forgiven to such an extent that the New Testament says, as Jesus goes in the world, so am I. By the blood of Jesus, I'm cleansed. Why? The Bible says in 1 John 1 verse 7, because we walk in the light and have fellowship with other believers, the blood of Jesus cleanses us now and continually of all sin. By the blood of Jesus, we are justified, which means God sees us as if we've never sinned. He sees us as if we've never sinned from the time of conception. From the time we were conceived, He sees us as if we've never sinned. Man, what an incredible gift is that. Think about those things you're thinking about that, you've done, that you know you did wrong. But through the blood of Jesus and through your faith in Him and giving your life and surrendering your life to Him, God sees you as if you've never sinned. Oh my word. That should excite us no matter what's going on in the world. Even if we were in World War I in one of those trenches where people are either being blown to bits or they're getting diseases from rats or whatever in the most horrendous situations. Even there, even if I'm in a place like that, man, the fact that God sees me as I've never sinned because of the blood of Jesus, oh my word. By the blood of Jesus we've been sanctified, which means God has taken us out of the world and He puts us on a higher place and He sets us apart to serve Him. Many people see that as a, as a burden. Well, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you that are weary and burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, for my burden is light and my, my yoke is easy. The world is a harsh place. So, so when we're sanctified, we, before we were sanctified, we were down here. The moment I give myself over to this, I become sanctified, and I start serving God, I'm up there. He lifts me up to a higher place. The person that's down here in the world cannot serve God. Even if they want to, they can't because of sin. But a person that doesn't know Jesus doesn't even have a right to serve God. The fact that we can serve God, we need to, to really see the world in a, new, in a completely different way. Because the fact that we can actually serve God is such an incredible blessing. It's mesmerizing. And that's why God is saying to us that He wants us to move into a whole new world in our thought lives. He wants us to move to a whole new place. Imagine being like Abraham. Abraham's there living with his father. As I read the Bible, I think his father had quite a bit of money. He's got his family there, he's got his people, he's got everything. And God then says to him, I want you to go west. And I want you to go to a promised land, to a land that I will show you. And there you will have descendants as many as the grains of sand on the seashore. And he says, and anyone that blesses you, I will bless. Anyone who curses you, I will curse. And one day I will bless all world through you. And that promise was fulfilled in Jesus. Because we're all blessed today because of that promise God made to Abraham. Now I want you to think about this for a second. Abraham's told by God, we probably can't see physically just like we can't. 
to go to a country he's never seen. He's going to look after him. He doesn't know how. He doesn't know what he's going to find when he's going to get there. He knows nothing about that place. But he sets off. And he goes. That's a whole new way of thinking. When we trust God, we'll do that. And this is what God wants our minds to be rested with. Is that whole new way of thinking. Often we see sin as fun. It's destructive. It will destroy us. It puts people in their grave early. Before time. Before the time that God meant to take them. And so, the Lord has offered us this incredible salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's verses we read every single week because they're just so powerful and so simple. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want you to think about that for a second. The word is near you. Jesus is here. He's here right now. The Holy Spirit is here right now. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's all. That's all that it takes. But if you haven't done that, this new way of thinking that we've been talking about today, which comes right out of the scriptures, this overpowering of strongholds will not happen unless we've given our lives to Jesus. And giving our lives to Jesus means we surrender to Him. It means we repent. It means we say the way we've been living up until now, we don't want that anymore. We want a new way. We want to move in a new direction. We want a new plan. We want a plan that's not going to end the day we die. We want a plan that's going to be for eternity. And so the Lord is calling you. He's saying you don't have to struggle with strongholds and all of this. You can start learning to trust me if you'll put your faith in my son as your Lord and your Savior. Your Lord means he owns you. Your Savior means he takes you from the eternity that you deserve because of sin into an eternity that you didn't deserve but you now deserve it because of his blood God loved you so much he'd do that for you and, and with this decision your eternity is at stake and maybe some of you are thinking no I'll, I'll wait till later I'll, I'll pray by myself when I'm at home or when I'm alone or I'll pray then but, but I want to tell you you mustn't wait until later because right now is the time that you must come to the altar of Almighty God right now is the time that maybe you need to recommit your life to Jesus now is the time to do it the Lord has been speaking to you now and this is the moment of your salvation this is the second to do it don't think that you'll have another opportunity later the enemy will work overtime to make sure that you do not do it later. Now is the time you've got to do it. And what are you doing when you, when, you, when, you, when you come to God like this? You're saying, Lord, now is the time. Lord, this is the time. Lord, I want to commit to you right now. Lord, I want to submit my life to you right now. 
Lord, I want to give everything over completely to you right now. I can't wait until later. I can't wait another minute because I don't know if I'm going to make it. Now is the time. And I want to commit you, Lord, because I don't want to live eternity far from you. I, I, I don't want to take a chance of dying without you. I want to choose to live with you from this day forward so that when it comes time for, for me to die, when death comes knocking on my door, it won't affect me. It won't affect me because I'll know that I'll be with you for eternity. I'm going to ask everyone to close your eyes. If you're watching at home or you're listening on the audio and you've given your life to Jesus or you want to recommit your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to send an email to info@actorchurch.org, and we'll pray with you. And I want you to visualize Jesus. I want you to remember that he died on the cross for you over 2,000 years ago. And the same Jesus who died back then is the same Jesus today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He died on the cross for you over 2,000 years ago. But that work that he did for you still stands today and it stands forever. And it will mark you for eternity if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He shed his blood. And the blood that he shed was spiritual currency. It was a price that he paid for your soul. He paid for your soul with his own blood. And if you receive him as Lord and you believe in him, that blood will wash all of your sins away. And if you walk a life of faith, you believe him, you follow him, you focus on the word, your life will forever be changed. We're going to pray together now. And I'm going to ask you just to mean this prayer as we pray. Just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you today and I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything that I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin. And I accept your sacrifice because I know that it was the price that you paid for me, for my redemption. And so I come to you today, Lord, and I ask that the blood of your wounded body would wash me clean of all my sin, of all my rebellion, and that you'd set me free by that same blood of any sickness and of any pain. And I accept that that blood is the price that was paid for my outstanding debt. It's been paid in full. And there is now no outstanding balance. You paid everything for me at the cross of Calvary. I accept it by your blood. I am justified. And you see me as though I had never sinned. And by your blood, I am sanctified. And you have chosen me to serve you. Lord, I want to serve you today. I'm willing. And today I open the door of my heart. And I let you in, Jesus, to come in and be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me and for giving me eternal life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.